sit at staying base and you showed up at the starting line and you had to describe the color of your socks. My socks were white, stained blood, so I said they're bloody. And the race director really liked that idea. It was 1988-ish, 89-ish, and uh, with my blood-stained socks, I went out with the leaders. People I knew, friends, that I trained with. We ripped off the first two miles of a 3-5K in 10 minutes and change. It was feeling pretty good. Came around this corner, I've told some of you this story, came around this corner and I, I went from a dead stride to a dead stop. I was just like, huh? And the leaders tiptoed their way through 25 to 50 yards of water on the course. And I was just like, I had no idea what to do. I was just absolutely flummoxed. I was just like disheartened. I was crushed. I barely recovered. I went out first two miles at 5.15, last one eight minutes, which today, fairness and conversation, I would be happy with an eight-minute mile. <laughs> Not then. Not then. Finished the 5K in a tad over 18 minutes, a dismal performance. I was running so well. What hindered me? is where we start today, page 975, verse 7, chapter 5 in the book of Galatians. Paul's words, you were running so well. It was going so well. Your stride was beautiful. Everything was working. Everything was hooking up. Heart rate, lungs, boom, bloody socks. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who bewitched you back in chapter 3, verse 1? Who cut in on you here in chapter 5? It's one of those rhetorical questions, right? Paul's like, it was going so well. It was going so well. What, 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 why? Why? It, he, he has this, like, like he's just like dumbfounded, Right? As I finished the race, what was intriguing, okay, was, was I, I cheated. Now, I didn't realize that I had cheated. I was an inexperienced runner in competitions like this. I didn't run in high school. But the final 100 yards in, there was this guy by the name of Tom that was coming on strong. No relation to, to Tom Wigand, okay? And then, right, so we're, we're, he's coming on strong, and he's on my left shoulder, right? And I'm just like, I'm not going to let this guy pass me. And so I ever so slightly just did one of these, right? I stride a little bit to the left. Not enough, but, but I forced him to break me his stride. I was inexperienced. I didn't know that what I was doing was wrong. But I experienced both sides of what Paul is talking about today. Getting cut off and having my stride broken as well as cutting someone off. And it does raise this interesting question. Because the people of Galatia, the region, this isn't to a specific church. The people of Galatia allowed Paul in this compelling message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now they're listening to something new, something different. How do we evaluate the voices that we allow to speak into our lives? Is it the last person in who speaks the loudest? Is it the first person in? Is it the most compelling? Is it the people who demand something? At any rate, 
They've lost their form. They've broken their stride. And Paul's wondering, what has happened? It happens in all sorts of endeavors, right? Things going well, and then all of a sudden, someone cuts in front of us. And often, at least in my own life, right before things go really bad, there's, there's bad technique. It's, it's bad form. Before, before I would fail lifting something heavy, my form is often out of its uh, pure style, if you will. What are the things that derail us? What are the things that cause you and me to stumble in our pursuit of following Christ with everything that we have? You were running so well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Funny if you think about it, right? These next set of verses. Doesn't take much yeast to change, right? Leaven, yeast. It's a metaphor that the Bible uses both positively and negatively. It's used positively by Jesus in Matthew chapter 13, talking about the kingdom of heaven is like leaven in in dough. A little bit goes a long way. And then Jesus, three chapters later in Matthew 16, uses it negatively, talking about the leaven of the Pharisees. So you have to understand the context. And here, the leaven, the yeast of the law demanders is negative a little bit sends you down the wrong pathway. Traveling to verse 11, it would seem as though some of Paul's opponents are claiming that Paul is really on their side. Paul, a Jew, certainly would have had this physical experience, right? Therefore, they're thinking Paul's arguing for it. And Paul's like, okay, if that's so, why do they still want me dead? And then Paul says something that is really, really, really funny if you think about it. To the people who are telling his friends they must be circumcised, check it out, it's in verse 12, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. It's like Paul saying, really, I really wish that they would just take a step further and cut off their... I probably shouldn't say that word, should I? I probably shouldn't do that, so I won't, I won't. But that's exactly what Paul's saying. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, you could play it for a laugh, okay? Because it really is kind of funny. Really, don't stop. Just go all the way if you're going to do anything at all. And to be clear, the Bible tends to be pretty raw in its expression of certain things. It's not a tame book. It records real things done and said by real people in a very real and unvarnished way. Nothing to be afraid of. It's It's history. Don't have to be afraid of history. What you do have to be afraid of is someone telling you about a faith that is false. It's subtle. It's subtle. But it's there in verse 10. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty whoever he is. 
It's subtle. Paul says it's going to come from a guy. That's what Paul says. It's right there. Paul's words, not my words. I think it's a warning that we would apply to both boys and girls. And it implies, not strong enough, it strongly suggests both a responsibility to exercise with great care what one says and the force with which one says it. We've talked about this before, right? And I think there's a, there's a responsibility for anyone, for anyone who represents Christ and the role that is occupied, the role that I get to occupy, which I consider to be a great honor, I don't take lightly that I represent Jesus Christ. It's a big deal. It's an important thing. And it would be easy to say, yeah, that's true for you, John, but it's not true for me, and I would disagree. If we're followers of Christ, we represent Christ. If you say that Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, we represent Christ. And if we represent Christ, then we ought to represent him as best as he can possibly be represented. And what we say and what we do and how we act and how we encourage matters. It matters for good, and it also matters because God takes it pretty seriously. It's right there, second half of 10. Paul's confidence is in the Lord, though. Have you ever been there? When you're fighting for friends and it just doesn't make sense? When you're doing life with someone and, and all of a sudden they just they take this turn and you're like, what just happened? And, and you try to reason with them, you try to, you try to get through, and you're like, really, don't you want your life to be richer than that? Don't you want your, your life to be more significant than that? You know, have you ever been in that situation, right? When you're fighting for a friend, you're fighting for a relative, you're fighting for someone that you truly, genuinely love and like. Paul's fighting for his friends, and he's like, this, this doesn't make sense. But Paul has a group of friends. He has standing. He knows the law. He knows what is right. And he also knows that at the end of the day, no amount of words will be the difference maker. Paul's confidence is not in Paul's voice box or Paul's intellect. Paul's confidence is in the Lord. When you're fighting for a friend, then it doesn't make sense. But what about when you're the friend that someone else is fighting for? Do you let people in? Do you let people challenge you? Do you let someone go, I, that, 
it doesn't, what, what you're doing doesn't make sense. I know how you think it makes sense, but it just doesn't make sense. And it gets back to that. What, is, what are the loudest voices that we listen to who, have, who has sway over our hearts and over our minds and over our lives? Can we be a friend that's willing to fight for a friend? And can we be a friend who is willing to listen to someone when they fight for us? That when someone challenges us, we listen. We listen. Paul's confidence in the Lord is, is not misplaced, but it is ceding control. Paul, in essence, is saying, I can't do this. I've taken this as far as I can take it. Now, that doesn't mean that the letter ends here. No, we've still got some more verses. But he does make the appeal to the name and the effort, the deal, the work that is finished, the work and the name that is above all else. Paul's confidence is in the Lord. It's in Jesus. It's in the Christ. And even though that he's fighting and the odds look strongly against him, he's not giving up. But he is ceding control. Paul's confidence is in the Lord. In a few moments, Amy is going to take the stage and provide thought and leadership, directing us to the authority of Jesus Christ in our lives and to the book that is chiefly written with his story in mind. We understand that, right? This is really, really important that we get this right. The authority that we talk about at Timberwood Church isn't me. It isn't who stands on this stage. It isn't us. It's Jesus. The book that is written about Jesus, that is the authority that we place our lives under. We are simply repeating, reminding what Christ has already said. Amy's going to take the stage, provide thought and leadership, directing us to the authority of Jesus in our lives. Then there will be a time of examine, a period of silence, and then a, a corporate prayer asking for forgiveness. The words will be on the screen. We can say them together. You can say them silently. The words find their basis in the greatest commandment, according to Jesus, that we should love God and love neighbor as self. And then Amy will act as Jesus commanded in John 20, 23, and tell you about forgiveness of sin and that we can participate in the Lord's Supper. Mechanics, if you're new with us today, we use aisles 2 and 4 to move forward. We use aisles 1 
3 and 5 to move back to the seats. So when the time comes for the elements to be served, you'll get up when you are comfortable, move to either aisle 2 or aisle 4, move forward. There are six stations across the front of the space. There's some people that will help us direct traffic. It will work well. If you're unable to walk forward, please simply raise your hand. We will come to you and serve you. As you move forward, if you want to be served, hold your hands like this. If you want to serve yourself, put your hands at your side. What will then happen is you will grab a piece of bread out of the tray and then dip it in the cup. I like this, right? I imagine Jesus taking a piece of bread, giving it to his disciples. The, the weight of the bread, of the juice in the hand. How you want to take the elements matters less to me than the condition of your heart. Don't participate just because the person next to you is participating. Participate because you want to remember authentically the authority of Christ in your life. There will be a period of silence, and then the band will build, the vocals will enter, and will end and, and have this strong statement, our intent, our commitment, our dependence on the Savior in whose table we have just participated. Please pray with me. Father, we come. Help us to regain our stride. Allow the influences that we allow in our life to be for our good and your kingdom. By your Spirit, O oh great God, draw us to the authority of your Son in our lives. Allow our confidence to be in the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.